You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. All right. Good morning, church. Hello. Happy Thanksgiving. Great. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Man, Thanksgiving. I, it, I thought we just had Easter. Like, what happened? Time. This has like been a time warp. This last eight months, right? It's just been, it's been crazy in every sense of the word. And here we are. Thanksgiving 2020 is almost at an end. Wow, man. But God is doing just awesome things here. We had just an amazing time. Uh, Friday night, we had a worship night here. Um, just a extended time of, of praise and worship along with some prayer time, and we need it. We just, we need it. And so if you were here, thanks for coming. Um, we'll hope, hope to do more of those in the future, but um, as the Lord sees fit. Uh, my name is Adam. If you don't know me, I'm the pastor here at New Covenant and want to just say hey and say hey to everybody at home. Thank you for, I think my family is watching, I hope. They're, they're, they're in, my kids and wife are in St. Augustine with some friends, uh, just enjoying some, some downtime, but I, she was texting me during worship, so hi, honey, if you're watching. And everybody else that's watching from home, um, it was just encouraging. I got to talk to a few people this last week uh, that just have not been able to come back yet for various reasons, and... Um, just was really encouraging to hear. They're just saying, we're with you every Sunday. We're watching. We're participating. It's been, you know, the services are a blessing. And so that's just really encouraging for us to know that, you know, just the, the cameras, the, the, all the work we do in the tech department to, to make this possible is, is reaching um, you all that can't be here. And um, for those at any point, if you can't be here, you can always join us online. We are in James chapter 5 today. I did want to give one final shout out to, um, there's a table in the back of the sanctuary, and it is, has a little sign on it, it says Happy Mail, Mail, M-A-I-L, and basically one of our small groups, um, one of our women's small groups is just taking upon themselves to do a project to write notes to people in our church that either have not been able to come back, they're still in quarantine or their shut-ins or, you know, unable to make it out for one reason or another. And so we want you, so they're organizing it, and we want you to be able to write those letters, those little cards. So they have all the materials back there. You can take one, write it. We have time today as we're going to be having lunch afterwards, but you can do that and give it to them, and they will make those uh, deliveries somehow, some way to those who need it. Uh, we're, we're excited about doing lunch after service today. The rain, I think, is going to hold off. Thank you, Lord. Um, so if you're wanting to hang out afterwards and just connect a bit with everybody, please stay. We'll make room for as many people as, as want to be there. James chapter 5. James chapter 5. We come to the end today of our James study. Come to the end Learning to live. This is what we have been talking about. And we are in verses 13 
through 18. Let's listen to God's word. Is there anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he fervently prayed that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you for all that you're doing, all that you've done, all that you will do. God, we give this day to you. Use your word to speak to us, to breathe life into us, to bring hope where there is hopelessness, to bring joy where there is sorrow, to bring wholeness where there is brokenness. We need you, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Was that me? Was that my voice? (laughs) you're here you don't have to go online anymore it's good it's all good (laughs) Uh, I don't like hearing my voice on a good day never mind while I'm praying it's that was that was trippy um I have uh, you know I, I realize more and more as time goes on and as um I become uh, just, I don't know, as technology continues to grow, and I, I, I do love technology, and I love uh, getting new things, and my, like my phone is just such a, a piece of my life, as it is, I'm sure, for many of you, and I was realizing how truly dependent I am becoming on my phone, um, uh, you know, or my iPad. I mean, th- these, these items are becoming, like, non-negotiable, like, there's no turning back, right? I mean, it doesn't... I, we went, I went with some friends last night at, to Chipotle, and they said, oh, sorry, our card reader is out. We were only taking cash. I was like, well, I'm out. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. I, like, do you have, you know, I'm like, do you have Apple Pay? Do you have anything? You know, it was just, it was like a moment, and, uh, and, and it's funny, because earlier in the week, I actually had some cash, and I, <laughs> I, was with, I was with Dylan, and he bought lunch, and I was paying him back. I was like, hey, I have cash, and he was like... What am I going to do with this? What, what am I going to do? I think he used the word old man uh, at one point. I mean, for money, for banking, for communication. I mean, I don't know anybody's phone number anymore. Like, it's, I mean, if I was stranded, that's it. Like, no more. I'm alone. There's no pay phones anymore. And even if there were, who would I call? I, have, I know no one's number. And then, of course, traveling. GPS is just, forget it. Like, that's, that's standard now. It doesn't even, and what it does is, and I'm, I like to multitask. I like to do a lot of things at once. And so the fact that this thing is telling me where to go, I can now check out of that and do four other things while I'm driving, like, help, like appropriate things. Like, I'll be listening to a book or a podcast or ta- uh, talking on the phone or I'll be watching a movie. No, I'm just kidding. I won't be watching a movie. Um, but... And then I'll get to where I'm going, and I'm like, 
where am I? <laughs> what, what, what city is this? Where, like if it pooped out on me at that point, like, again, I know no one's number and I have no idea how to get home. This is, this is life with technology that makes us easier, makes life easier, supposedly. Look, if I want to shop, if I want to meditate, if I want to read my Bible, if I want to be entertained, if I want to eat and sleep, I mean, I can do all of it through this, through my phone, through technology. And look, the, the reason I'm saying all of this is because as amazing as it is, there is a, there is a point when it can do no more for me. As much as I love it, as much as I need it, there is a, a place where as much as I find comfort, direction, peace, answers, there's a point when it's, it's no help at all. And the question then comes up, well, then what? Now what do I do? Because at some point, this, this thing, my phone, whatever it is, it doesn't work anymore. And as amazing as this technology is, if we're not careful, we will start to depend on it fully for comfort, for peace, for direction, for solutions to all of life's problems. And that's when we really start to see the boundary lines of our technology. Because... When life's at its hardest, that's when all of this stuff fails. We quickly find out that, that this, this device is great for helping us get from here to Disney World, but it is horrible in helping us get through a failing marriage the loss of a job, a loved one who's sick. Or the death of a loved one. And so it just it it leaves us with these questions that we constantly have to answer. We have to answer what do we do when life is at its craziest? Where do we go? Where do we run? How do we fight the battles that we all fight, the battles of life that come every single day? And so I said, we, we've come to the end now of James. This is it. This book has taught us, it teaches us how to live, how to handle the craziness of life, how to make our faith personal and meaningful to not just say that we have faith, but to show that we have faith. To go from professing faith to possessing faith. Because there's difference. It's easy, right, to say, yeah, I believe. Man, it is hard when life smacks you across the head and you have to now live like you believe. That's why we prayed tonight, today. That's why we did the night of worship on Friday. That's why, that's why we're here. I 
Hopefully you have benefited from this study in James. I have benefited from studying James. It is an extremely practical and simple and relevant book. And through, through the whole thing, we've been learning how to live. We've learned how to fight, how to process the nuttiness of the world around us, how to handle one another, and how to love people even when they are unlovable and even... In all the messiness, complexities, how we've learned how to think, feel, process, act. And so we come to the end and we get some final instructions from James. And and we want to answer this question, like, what do we do when life is at its craziest? Here's what we do. We pray. We pray. And maybe that's not the answer you, you want or we want. But man, it's the answer that we're given. And at some point, we have to think through, how am I living this life of faith? If you claim to have faith in God, then you have some standard, something that is directing you on what to do, how to do it. If you do not have faith in here or you don't believe in Jesus and you're here and you're like, yeah, man, my friends dragged me here or, you know, I just happened to flip, flip you on on, the, on, the, on Facebook I saw something happening and, and maybe you don't have faith and you're just kind of exploring, you're wondering, man, what, awesome, you're here, this is great, you're watching, this is amazing because this is, there is no more fundamental question that we have to answer and deal with in life than What do I believe? And not only what do I believe, how am I going to live like I believe that? And what we learn here today from this is that prayer is our first and our our most important weapon in fighting the fights of life. There is nothing, there is nothing more practical, there is nothing more spiritual, nothing more important than we can do. See, th- this whole letter that we've, we've been working on for the last couple months, it's all about showing our faith, showing our faith, proving that the, f- the faith that we say we have is real. And if you say that you're a follower, this is what it looks like. That's, that's James. And we've talked about, he, he's helped us to understand how we find joy in the middle of, uh, of trials of life and how we are to guard our words and how we're, not, how we're to treat everyone equally without partiality. How we're to trust God with our future plans. And I think we've been helped because it's wisdom. That's what... Wisdom is, it's taking knowledge, it's taking belief that we have, and it's putting it into action in a skillful, godly way. And now we, get the, we, we come to the end of this book, this letter, where it gives us the link that, that, that connects it all together, and that's prayer. It's something James wants us to understand. That's why he closes with it. In this little section that I read, these, these five verses or so, every verse has mention of prayer in it. Pray, 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 pray. One way or another, he talks about prayer in every verse. 
And so the letter, if you remember, when we were in chapter 1, it began with what? Count it all joy when you encounter trials of various kinds, right? And then we've talked a lot about that. And now at the end, here's what you're going to do with those trials of various kinds. Here's how ultimately you're going to deal with it. You are going to pray. And everything in the middle has been extremely practical and, and helpful for us to know how to take steps in showing our faith. And at the end of it all, he's saying, look, the most practical way that you will show your faith is by praying. And I just want to pull a few there's a lot in this passage. There's a lot. We're going to do our best to, to, to get through as, as much as we can. Because we can't say everything about prayer today. It's just too much. But the big thing, the first thing I think that we see from this is that prayer is critical. It is critical It is of first importance. And what is prayer? I mean, we could say a lot of different things about what prayer could be. I like John Piper's definition. He says, prayer is intentionally conveying a message to God. Intentionally conveying a message to God. I mean, it is, look, God wants relationship with us. That's, that's the Christian faith. It's not about just a bunch of check marks. You know, I did this. I went to church today. I, I gave my money. I, I said nice things to, to my wife today. I, I gave to the poor. Like, that's, that's, that's great. We want that to be an extension of who we are. But God wants relationship with us, and that comes first and foremost with our faith in his son and then through prayer because it is the constant communication that we have with him. It's an intentional message. We're taking intentional thoughts and emotions and we're going, we're directing it to God. It is critical. God wants us to pray, not sometimes, all the time. We're to be praying. We're to be constant in prayer in all situations, in all situations. See, he gives us this full spectrum of life. He says, look, are you suffering? Are you happy? Hey, these are the bookends. <laughs> are you suffering? Are you happy? Pray, pray. He says it differently. He says, if you're suffering, pray. He says, if you're happy, Be happy in prayer. Be cheerful. Be, give praise. That's what, that, that's what that means. What do you do during the good and the bad, the highs and the lows of life? We pray. And look, here's the thing. If we pray at all, if people tend to pray, they usually pray only when things are bad, are difficult, or crisis, right? That's when people who have no faith at all will all of a sudden start to pray. God wants us going to him all the time, even when things are going well, even when we're happy. Because, why? Because it shows that we have relationship with him. It shows that our relationship is healthy with him. This ties into the whole theme of James. Faith is not just in our head. It is in our action. And so we have relationship 
with God. And what makes for a good relationship? Time, communication, trust. When we go to God only in times of crisis, what does that show? It, it, it shows an unhealthy relationship. How do you feel about people who only come to you when they need something from you? It's not great. You feel what? Used and you feel taken advantage of. You feel like you're not cared for. Now listen, I, I'm, I'm leaning heavily on, on this up front because the rest of the passage talks about what do we do when things aren't going well. <laughs> but we have to be reminded. That's, we have a whole holiday coming up on Thursday. Thanksgiving. We are to be giving thanks all the time to God for what he is doing, how he has worked in our lives, past, present, and how he will work in the future. We need to make this a priority. But look, make no mistake, we need to go to God when things are not going well. Don't hold back from going to God because you're like, oh, I haven't, I haven't thanked him enough, so I better not come now with my needs. Look, you'll never thank him enough. To, for, him, for you to think like he's now going to go, all right, now you can come with your, with your hard stuff. No. We come all the time. Life is hard. We need to go somewhere with that. We go to God. And so he wants us coming to him with the difficulties, with the sufferings of life. That's what the emphasis of this passage is. Last week, remember, we talked about what? Patience. Patience in suffering. You see, but... But here's the thing. We're called to be patient when we go through sufferings of life. But patience isn't, it doesn't mean we're just passive and we're just sitting around waiting, hoping, oh God, I don't know. No, no, no. We're, we're active in our waiting. We're active in our patience. And our patience actually takes form in, the, in prayer. Prayer is active. It's a way that we are patiently active. And this is often why we don't pray. Because it doesn't feel active enough, right? If you're like me, you're a problem solver. Man, you want to make things better. You want to, you want to get to the heart of it. Like, let's just go. Oh, for me, if I have a headache, I know what I can do. Because I get headaches a lot. I know exactly what I'll do to get rid of that headache. Three Advil, take it, usually goes away. I get bad headaches, but that, that'll do it. Sometimes Excedrin. You know, it depends on what I have. But I know. And that's, for me, a quick fix that will, that will get me going. And we want that, right? We want quick fixes. We want those things that will get us from, ah, this is uncomfortable, to, oh, that's better. But what's the reality of life? Like, there's just very few things that work like Advil. But we try. Oh, we try. And God's like, no, no, no. Listen, I know you feel like nothing's happening, but this is how I want you relating to me. And so he asks this powerful question, one that we probably all could answer clearly. He says, is anyone suffering? Is anyone suffering? And probably most of us, some of us, I mean, we all understand what it means to say yes to this, at least, right? If Maybe if right now you're not, you either have, and if you haven't, well, it's coming. 
Is anyone suffering? Here's what you do. You pray. Look, we need reminding of this. He says, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Now, here's why it's important for us to be reminded of this, right? Let him pray. Because we have, if I just left a blank for you, typically, and I said, hey, are you suffering? How would you fill in this blank? What do you, what do you put in? Let him blank. When you're suffering, what would you typically put in that blank? And him or her, it's a, it's a generic. When you're suffering, is anyone suffering? Let him yell. Sometimes that's what we do when we're suffering. We yell. Or let him spend. Right? You're suffering? Ah, I'm going to go shopping. Let him run. I'm out. Let him fight. My fighter's out there. You're suffering, and it's time to put the fist up and let's go. To fight. Let him drink. Let him use. Let him find any way to numb the pain, to distract from the pain, to get away from the pain. And God, let him pick up his phone and and scroll mindlessly through endless feeds of nonsense that just, that I end up doing and you end up doing where we're just, ah, anything to distract us. We want the pain gone. And God is saying, look, I know, I know you want the pain gone. I know, come to me, come to me. But here's what it's going to look like. You're going to come to me and we're going to talk and you're going to pray. And yeah, maybe I'm going to move quickly and it's going to happen what you need right in that moment. But most likely it is not going to happen that fast. And that's why we don't pray. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We don't like the images that God gives us when we think about cultivating relationship with him and living this life. What's the main image he gives us? Farming. Right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We sow the seed, we plant, and then we wait for God to bring the rain. We wait for God to bring the growth. That's farming. That's cultivating. That is the last thing that we want to do. Because I want Advil to take away my headache, and that's going to happen. And so what do we do? We go everywhere to find that help. We go everywhere to find that fix. We go to all these different places. And here's, and here's what we do. We usually go, when all else fails, I'll pray. I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. That's our heart, man. Prayer is hard. Prayer is not something we're just drawn to, given to, and it just takes, it takes this kind of reminding and this kind of help for us to go, okay, right, 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 okay. There's a God. He exists. He, he, he's living in my life, and if I have a need, I'm going to go to him. 
If I'm suffering, I'm going to go to him. That's the critical nature of prayer. We go to him first. Corey Ten Boom, she, she's known for a Holocaust survivor. She helped Jews escape, and then she herself got caught and was in concentration camp, and she's written books and, and has been a speaker. And she says this, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? I could just walk off stage right now. Like She said it perfectly. It's prayer, your steering wheel, or your spare tire. Let's face it. For a lot of us, it's the spare tire. When all else fails, I pray. And God says, no, this needs to be first because this is where we will find the cure. This is, this is the cure. Pr- prayer is critical because in It's in relationship with God that we find his curing power. So prayer is critical and prayer is curing. It's curing. It brings the cure. Look, he says, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. And then he says this, is anyone sick? What do we do? We pray. We pray. God brings healing power through prayer. Now, it's not only through prayer. I I don't want you to misunderstand because we're about to get into some stuff where there's been some tension and misunderstandings in in the church, in the the Christian world. Um, God uses what we call common grace, which is he has given us uh, the world around us with technology and innovation and, and medicine that has been given to us to Thank God for Advil. Amen? Right? I mean, we are really glad for things like that. Thank God for chemotherapy. Thank God for radiation. Thank God for, for medicine that helps heal and cure the diseases that we have. Thank God for surgeries. Thank God for doctors. It's common grace. So God does choose sometimes to heal through those things. Through those means, but prayer always is supposed to come first. Faith-filled prayer, right? He says, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Now, there are some problems, right? Like, we've gotten into some trouble with that verse. And, And this is part of the problem with not understanding what we're reading. Right? We talk about this up front. James is a letter. It's wisdom literature. It's, it's wisdom language. It's like when we read through Proverbs, when we went through our Proverbs study, I talked to you about there are statements in Proverbs that are general, big, sweeping principles that are not always promises to our life. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. There's a principle there. That doesn't mean if your child departs from the faith, you have failed because you didn't train them in the way that he should go. It's the same thing here. The prayer of faith will heal the one who is sick. Well, yes, when we come to God, we come to him in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. That's what the Bible says. Faith is at the center, at the heart of how we relate to God. But does that mean... If you are not healed, your faith is deficient. We, you didn't have enough faith. Or the person who prayed for you didn't have enough faith. And sadly, this has become a teaching in many places in the Christian church. And it is wicked, it's wrong, it's false. Paul, the Apostle Paul, 
lot of faith in that, in that guy. Wrote a lot of the New Testament. He had an ailment that he prayed for over and over again. Some kind of, I don't know why I'm pointing here. I don't, it's not perfect. I don't think it was, he says a thorn in his side, a thorn in his flesh. We think maybe it was his eyes, there was something there, but he had something that he was dealing with where he prayed and prayed and God did not heal him from that. Jesus, I'll just go with the big two, right? Paul and Jesus. Jesus prayed at the end of his life. He's about to go to the cross. He's in the garden and he's saying, God, Father, if there is another way, would you let this cup pass from me? He's saying, if there's another way, because what's about to happen is terrible. Is there another way? There was no other way. So the father said, no, there's no other way. And, I, and, and, and he sent his son to the cross. We would never say that Paul's faith was bad or that Jesus didn't have enough faith to, for, for God to answer and to heal. That is, that, that, that's not the point. Look, here is the point. When we come to God, and we need to go to God, we come with everything in faith, in prayer, believing that he will act on our behalf. And it is totally acceptable to believe that he will heal. But ultimately, and James taught us this a week or two ago, if the Lord wills, that's where we stand our ground. That's where we, that's our foundation. That's our ground. Man, I want, I want whether I'm going to be healed or not based on his goodwill, his power, his purpose, rather than if my faith is strong enough or not. Because I'm going to tell you what, my faith is not strong enough. But his is. And his plan and purpose is perfect. It's why we prayed today. It's why I read you that scripture. His way is perfect. And you're like, Adam, you don't know what I'm going through. It's really hard for me to even think that way. I understand. But more than that I understand, God understands. Jesus went to the cross. He suffered. He went through those same things, asking the same questions as you. And he said, the, the path he had to take was painful, ended in his death for the perfect purpose so that you and I might have life and be able to pray. And if God heals, we praise him. And if he chooses to delay healing or not heal in this life, then we praise him because there is a healing that comes in the life to come. And that's our hope. And so prayer is critical. It is curing. It, it brings the cure. And look, here's one of my favorite pieces to this whole thing. It is communal. It's communal. See, it's not just about me and him. It's about us and him. Now, there is, of course, that element of just me and him or you and him, but it is most, it, a lot of it has to do with us and him. This letter that James is writing is written to the church, right? He's saying, if anyone is sick, let him do what? He says, let him pray, but he also says this. I want, I want, let him call the elders of the church. 
See, there's a communal element to it. He says, let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And you're like, well, what does all of that mean? Again, we can't go into too much detail. There's a lot going on here. But look, here's the basic principle. Prayer is a powerful weapon in the dealing of sickness, physical sickness, mental sickness, emotional sickness. And there's a time when our health is in such danger, there is such need that we call in specific people from the community to pray together. And elders are that specific group in this context. Specific leaders in the church who are given specific spiritual authority to care and shepherd and protect and nurture the the flock, the community of believers, the church. There's nothing extra special about the elders, especially of this church. Amen. But there's something that God puts in our, this is why the church is so important and so dear. And it it provides a community and a context for spiritual things to happen in ways that just don't fully make sense to us. And so the elders are given the call to, at times, come and pray and anoint with oil. And you're like, well, what's up with oil? What does that mean? There's a lot of thoughts about what that means. And I would just say this. I believe when it talks about anointing with oil, oil has historically throughout Scripture been a symbol of God's spirit, God's presence, and it was used for consecration. It was used to separate something as special to God. And so when you would anoint something with oil, it was to focus God's attention on that thing. And so when we say anoint those with oil who are sick, we say this person is, is, is meant to have, specific, like, it's meant to, this person is separated out so that it can focus on God's special attention. Prayer is so amazing when it's done in the context of community, of us being together. Its effectiveness is magnified when done within the context of community. And there's something powerful that happens when we pray together. And that's why we want to give time and space for that during services. And we want to grow in that. And we have visions of what that could look like in the future. But we're taking steps forward right now. But look, here's the thing. What does all this lead us to? Forget about the structures you know, that exist that, that we want to create for you, that we want to create for one another. What does this do for our mindset, for our hearts? And I just want to leave you with, with these three things. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. <laughs> this passage should lead us to pray more, to pout less, and to press in. What do I mean? Well, the first one's easy. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray more. We need to pray hard. We need to pray often. We need help. And that help comes from the Lord, and that help comes through prayer. So pray. We need to pray. Carve out time in your day, in your life to do it, because if you don't carve it out, it's not going to happen. 
We have to be intentional for it. We have to budget for it. We have to, we have to give ourselves because our hearts want to run. We don't want it to be the spare tire. It's the steering wheel. Prayer, relationship with God. So a lot we could say about that. We need to pray more. We need to pout less. <laughs> I thought this was cute and creative. Pout less. We need to trust God, man. We need to trust him. If, if life isn't what you expected, if your prayers aren't being answered in the way that you want them to be, we realize that God is in control, that God is still working. And so we don't want to walk around feeling sorry for ourselves, pouting, throwing our little tantrums because we're not getting what we want. That's not the life that God has for us. And I'm telling you what, it's, going to, it's a prison for you. It will, it will perpetuate itself and you will become more difficult, more miserable, not only to be around, but to your own existence. Choose joy. Choose life. Choose prayer. Choose Christ. It's not about how you feel. It is about the unchanging character of who God is. And we're going to say, I'm, going to, I'm choosing to believe that he is. When David wrote that psalm, your way is perfect. David's life was not perfect. And I'm, I know when he wrote a lot of those psalms, he was not feeling it, right? He was not feeling but he was telling himself these things. He's like, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write a song about it because I need to sing this over and over and over again. I need to constantly say, your way is perfect. Your way is perfect because everything around me is going, nope, not perfect. Things think it's really hard. This is terrible. And we're saying, nope, your way is perfect. Your way is perfect. That is, the, that is going to be your weapon against doubt about self-pity. Look, do you know why you have unanswered prayer? It's because God loves you. There are prayers that I prayed years ago. I am so glad he did not answer. I'd have been married to the wrong person. <laughs> I wouldn't have the kids I have right now. I would, be, I would have gone a different route in school. Like There were things at times. It's like, God, please, God, please, God, please. And he's like... I'm going to give you this, though. And I know sometimes <clears throat> it's hard to see that when we're in the suffering, we're in the pain, we're in the mourning of losing something that we love. But he's a loving father. And loving fathers don't give everything to their children. Can you rest in that? Pray more, pout less, press in. Guys, it's the call to press in to relationship with God and to press into community life. And I know that this is hard with this virus still just causing trouble. <laughs> and other things that keep us from being together. But we need to press in. We need to come to church. We need to be together. If you're home and you're still unsure, we're going to keep loving you and serving you and being part of your life through the camera, through your screen, but we also want to say, come back. We'll, we'll take care of you as best we can, but God will take care of you. 
we need to press in to God and to community life. Look, this is hard. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. <laughs> in order to confess your sins to one another and to pray for one another, you got to be around one another. And they got to know you. And this takes humility. It takes transparency. It takes it is hard, man. It is hard because it is just so much easier to just be like, nope, I'm out. I'm good. I see you on Facebook. You seem like you're doing good. I'm going to be over here. I'm going to make it look like I'm doing good and everything's fine. Not everything is fine. In fact, everything is not fine. And so we need to stop playing those games and we need to get in life with one another and say, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's my sin. Help. Healing comes when we live like this. Wholeness comes when we live like this. And let me just close with this. He says this. James says the prayer of a, of a, of a righteous person has great power. Okay? The prayer of a righteous person has great power. That is good news. So God has saved us. We have all become righteous through Christ. But here's the deal. Christ is also praying for you. So if the prayer of a righteous person has great power, the prayer of a perfect person has perfect power. And you have the Lord of the universe interceding over you, praying over you. That's what Paul tells us in Romans 8. He says, who is going to bring any charge against God's elect? It's him who justifies. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that was raised. Who is interceding for us? Holy cow. That's the faith that will bring change into our lives. Christ, his power, his interceding, his praying for us. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. Do you know him? Do you trust him? Do you believe in him? If not, today is the day of salvation for you. Come to him. Call on his name. Say, I need you. I believe in you. If you're home, if you're here, for everyone else who is already in the family, God wants deeper connection relationship with you. Let's press in to him. Let's stand, church. God, the battle belongs to you. You have the victory. You're our defender. You are the one who we trust. Would you bring life from these words today so that we would change, we would be full of your spirit, full of prayer, full of faith that you're going to do the impossible. We love you, God, and pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing, church.